Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Amber, I feel like the problem is is like bringing the silk pillow to a basketball game. Not the fact that he wants to keep his Jays clean. Like, we're bringing in paraphernalia. What are we doing? Although there's few things cleaner than the basketball court, right? Because obviously he's right. sitting courtside. Also, he's done this before, by the way. I don't know right. why no one's noticed it before. He's pulled this shtick before. This is Candy and Garland on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And on your smart speakers, Candy and Garland is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. She is Shay Cornette. I am Amber Wilson. We are filling in for the guys today. You can always hit us up. Give us a call on the Dr. Pepper call. Call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So we got Thursday night football action coming your way. We've been talking about it all show long. The 6-3 and three Titans against the 4-6 and six Packers, 8-15 tonight on Amazon. Let's bring in some help for the conversation surrounding the Packers. Jason Wildy, he is the co-host of Wildy and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. And Jason, thanks so much for joining us. The Packers found a little bit of an offensive rhythm finally last week, and that rhythm apparently involves taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and handing it to the other Aaron on the team. How much do you expect that to be part of the game plan moving forward? Well, it'll be tough to do that tonight against a really good run defense, but it's great to be with you. I know Rob Domofsky has a lot of TV responsibility, so I'm always willing to be Rob Domofsky <laughs> Jr. Um, all right, so here's, here's the problem with their, with their offense. And, and I, when we talked to Aaron Rodgers at his locker this week, I asked him, you know, look, you got Christian Watson back in the mix and having an impact down the field. You've got your five starting offensive linemen playing all the snaps together for the first time all season. You're under center more than you were in the shotgun for the first time all year against the Cowboys. You've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combining for over 200 rushing yards on 37 carries. Is this what you pictured the offense to be, and could you be starting to see it come to fruition? And instead of an inspiring relax or run the table, I got a, I don't know. So I don't know what their offense is going to look like tonight, right? You would think that you would want to stick with that, with that formula because it works so well. But the Cowboys run defense is 26th in the league. The Titans run defense is second. I think they have to run the football. You cannot have a game where Matt LaFleur is up there at the podium in front of us tonight saying, should have gotten the ball to Aaron Jones more, which Lord knows he said a lot this season. But they have to take some of the good things about Sunday's game plan and apply them tonight against the Titans. Okay, so, Wildy, my question now goes to Randall Cobb, because obviously we saw Aaron Rodgers and, and Josh Dobbs have a little bit – chem- or Romeo Dobbs, excuse me, have chemistry, and then now he didn't play last week. He's going to be out for the next couple of weeks, and so they activate Randall Cobb. And I know we're saying stick to the run game, but perhaps Randall Cobb gets in the mix here in terms of the passing game? For sure he will. I mean, there's not too many people that Rodgers trusts yet on this offense. Even Romeo Dobbs, who had some really good moments and then suffered the high ankle sprain on the first series in Detroit a couple weeks ago, there were still plenty of frustrations for Rodgers because he's a rookie, and that's what rookies do. They cause quarterbacks frustration, and some quarterbacks show it more intensely than others, and the TV cameras catch them more frequently in their frustration. But Look, Cobb has been his go-to guy on third down. I'm sure he is extremely excited to have him back. Uh, the, the issue is, what else will they have in the passing game? Because on the flip side of how good this run defense is that the Titans have, they're 31st against the pass. Obviously, some of that is nobody wants to run, so they're throwing the ball against them. But they have to have productivity. They need Cobb picking up 
third downs, which has been his specialty since he came back to the Packers last year. They need Alan Lazard to be consistently productive. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. They need to get more out of their tight end position, which has been hit or miss. And they need Christian Watson, even if he's not getting the ball on deep throws. This is the one thing Rodgers has been pleading for. They weren't able to have it because Watson hasn't been healthy. They need some sort of vertical stretch the field option because they have been playing as an offense, and I still can't believe that there are two defenses in a row that have taken this approach, dared to pass the ball. Who would have thought that an Aaron Rodgers-led offense would be being dared to throw the football, but that's exactly what's happened the last few weeks. Jason Willity, he's a co-host of Willity and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. Joining us here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys. So, Jason, you said that when you asked Aaron Rodgers about the offense, you were expecting some sort of, you know, confidence, and his answer was, I don't know if it'll work moving forward. Since you talk to him often, obviously, and you cover this team, do you ever get from this version of Aaron Rodgers, like, the confident direct answer anymore or is like everything with this Aaron Rodgers kind of like a I don't know we'll see (laughs) it's a beautiful mystery yeah um (laughs) so look there's been there's been a few other beat writers that have been trying to kind of I don't want to say twist his arm to get that kind of signature phrase out of him and he has resisted it um one of my very 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 few claims to fame was it was when he and I were doing the radio show together that he delivered the R-E-L-A-X, which they always cut out the part where I said, when he says five-letter word and I say panic, that somehow doesn't make the clip, and I don't understand why. Um, but the bottom line is is that he's not going to give you that kind of confident response because he's not that confident. Yeah. Um, saying that he, they've turned the corner is premature, and I wasn't trying to get him to say that even. Just are you starting to see signs of what you want your offense to be? And he wouldn't even go that far. I think that's why tonight is so incredibly important because if they can validate what they did against Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys with another strong offensive performance, I don't know how many points that requires, enough to win the game, then maybe he can start to feel a little more confidence. But I thought it was really telling that he had an opportunity to not necessarily – you know, exude a ton of confidence, but at least say something that said, hey, we're headed in the right direction. But he didn't even want to go that far. Well, one last thing from me here. The Packers are obviously on a short week here coming off that game against the Cowboys on Sunday, uh, but they stay at home. So is there an advantage or a disadvantage to coming off of a win, staying at home on a short week? Well, uh, there's a huge advantage of not having to travel on either end of that, right? And obviously the Titans do have to travel. We saw their buses pulling in yesterday. Look, the, the, this whole sleeping at the office, which is what Lafleur and Joe Barry and a bunch of other coaches did, that's great. But make sure that while you're burning the midnight oil, you're coming up with a good game plan, obviously, because working more doesn't necessarily working smarter. So. Right. Uh, I think it's an advantage. The biggest question about the disadvantage part, I would say, is with the short week, are left tackle David Bakhtiari and left guard Elton Jenkins, who have dealt with post-knee injury issues all season long, going to be able to play all the snaps tonight on a short week. They did not even take part in walkthroughs during the week, trying to save all of their energy. If they're able to play and play as effectively as they have the last couple weeks, that is a huge advantage for them. Yeah. Well, we will find out tonight when the Packers take on the Titans on Thursday Night Football. Jason Wildey, he's the co-host of Wildey and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. Jason, thanks so much for stopping by.
Anytime. Thanks for having me. Take care. Be good. Coming up next, Chris Carlin ranked his top five dark horse Super Bowl teams this morning when he was filling in for Greeny. Find out if the Green Bay Packers make the list. That is next. This is ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. You can give her a follow on Twitter at Shay Pepler. You can give me a follow at Amber W Sports. So we're filling in for the guys because the guys were filling in for Greeny today. And on Greeny, they do a segment called The Green List. So today, Chris Carlin filled in on The Green List. And he gave us his top five dark horse teams to make the Super Bowl this season. Buckle up. I'm going to read you his Green List here. Starting at number five, he has the New England Patriots. Shay, I'm shocked the Patriots are on this list because, honestly... I don't consider them a dark horse or like any sort of horse to make a Super Bowl. They ain't making a Super Bowl. Well, first of all, they're last in their division. So let's just start with that that fact. They're not tied for last. They're dead last. They're five and four so far on the year. And ahead of them, in case you need to be reminded who's in the AFC East, are the likes of the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills, who I think are all better and more well-rounded teams than the Patriots right now. Um, I know there's like this Bill Belichick factor, like, and, and that is one that I understand too, can never be counted out. So maybe with that being said, I understand where Chris Carlin is coming from. However, um, I don't trust Mac Jones yet. I actually think he's regressed from a year ago. I don't think there's enough weapons or enough threats on both sides of the ball there for the Patriots yet. And so for me, this is a hard one to sell. And and I feel like there's better dark horses in that division alone, let alone the entire National Football League, than the Patriots. I agree with you. Let me run through the rest of this list and see if the Dolphins or the Jets make an appearance on this list list uh the Giants are sitting at fourth on this list the Seahawks third on this list the Jets second on this list and the Bengals first on this list so Patriots Giants Seahawks Jets and Bengals as his top five dark horses to make a Super Bowl so let's go backwards a little bit again because the Dolphins are not on this list at all and you just mentioned that division now apparently that's because Carlin doesn't feel like they're a dark horse, that they're just like a legitimate contender, which as a Dolphins fan, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, but I'm also shocked to hear it and nervous. Like, I, everyone calm down on making us a legitimate contender. Like, relax. We've had a bad couple decades here. How about we just focus on a postseason win before we talk about legitimate contendership? 
But you have all the pieces in place. Um, and I, I mean, I agree with you. It's like Eagles fans wanted to get the the loss out of the way, and now they've been able to do that. So I understand you like having like trepidation about it. Um, I actually agree with the rest of this list. I like the Pats. The uh, I don't like the Pats, but the Giants, Seahawks, Jets, Bengals, I don't mind with. Jets feels a little premature to me. So Jets and Patriots would be the two that I have issues with. Um, I think it's a lot easier to talk about the Dolphins and the Bills, and I know that's, that's a little more chalk and easier to say. But Seahawks, I'm on board with and Bengals I'm on board with too I think those are two teams that have proven that they've they can do it that they can handle the pressure that they've got uh the quarterbacks in place to lead their team where they want to go and the weapons around them um Jets defense sure Jets Jeff offense no uh Giants yeah I'm on board with that one I actually think that they they've got a really good roster this year and the Patriots I just can't get on, on board with it so Jets and Patriots for me a little far-fetched car little far maybe a little bit of his east coastism coming through on that list a little bit there that's my take um so I don't I don't love the Patriots and the Jets on that list and especially not the Jets at number two Ugh. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots I don't like on this list because I don't even think they're making the postseason. The Jets, I also don't know if they're making the postseason. Uh, also, I, I can't buy into a team as a true dark horse. We're talking about making the Super Bowl, like making the Super Bowl. Was Zach Wilson at the helm? I have no idea if Zach Wilson's any good. Is Robert Sala a good coach? Like, I don't know. I mean, the Jets are, are obviously having a good season and they're surprising us all. I think there's a surprise element here to the Jets being part of that Super Bowl conversation. And I know if you're talking about Dark Horse, then yes, there's going to be a surprise element to all these teams, which is why I guess the Seahawks being on this list, I don't have a big problem with because, yes, they're shocking us all and they seem legitimately good. But at least with the Seahawks, unlike the Jets, like I know Pete Carroll can win a Super Bowl, you know, like not only can he win a Super Bowl, he can win national championships, he can do it all. And I know that about a 70-year-old Pete Carroll at this point. So even though I don't really fully believe in Geno Smith because I – think that the sample size is so small compared to the rest of his NFL career at least I believe in that coaching staff I have questions with the coaching staff with the Jets just because I've seen so little of it even though it's going well so far I guess with the Giants I mean I don't hate it um, I again I have a hard time buying into either of these New York teams being in the Super Bowl uh, it doesn't make me completely uncomfortable, though, to have them as a dark horse. Fine. The Bengals, to me, I actually have a problem with being on this list because I don't think of the Bengals as a dark horse. Like, how are the Dolphins not a dark horse, but the Bengals are the team that was just in the Super Bowl it, it, that has Joe Burrow at the helm, who we have no questions about. I don't understand the Bengals' inclusion as a dark horse. Not that I don't believe the Bengals could get to a Super Bowl, because I do. I've seen them do it. I don't know why they'd be still considered a dark horse at this point. I, the only reason why I, I, I could see where he's coming from is because no one's talking about them anymore as like a legitimate team to go far in the postseason because of the issues they've had with their offensive line. Even though they've tried really hard to fix the problem, Joe Burrow can't stay upright. And so I, I see – but then you and then you don't have Jamar Chase too for a few weeks. And so all right. of those things combined, and what you've seen now, they've struggled to score when you don't have Jamar Chase. So um, – and unless it's like the Joe Mixon game, which it was against the Panthers. But anyways, uh, I could see where he's coming from with that because I just – we're not talking about the Bengals in the same light we were a year ago, unless you're talking to my husband. Well, we Amber, weren't talking about them at this point a year um, ago. True, true. None of us were. And but even like the first – True, but even the first couple weeks of the season, I felt like we were, you know, is there a Super Bowl hangover? Like, they were in conversations. We've stopped because they just haven't proven that they're still that same team as they were a year ago. It's a it's a good path for them, given the division that they play in, because it's like them or the Ravens, I think. Although, maybe the Steelers are on to something now that their defense is getting a little bit healthier. Back to the Jets and Patriots. They play each other this weekend mm-hmm. in Foxborough, and I think we'll see. Is that game going to be awful? 
Is that going to be a game that's hard to watch? Because if it is, I think we can throw this list in the garbage. <laughs> because if it's not, if, if we actually see some decent quarterback play from Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, um, we see some, you know, some some good defense. And, you know, like if we can actually see these are good teams, fine. But so far I have yet to see a complete game from either one of those teams. But this weekend well, will tell us a lot. He's got to have somebody on this list, right? Now, for me, like, I would have my Dolphins on the list as a dark horse, uh, but maybe he thinks they're a legitimate contender. Fine. Uh, Who else, though, would he, you know, if we're taking off, because both you and I are uncomfortable with the Patriots and the Jets' inclusion in this list, if we're taking those two teams off, though, who are you putting in? Like, would the Titans be a dark horse? I mean, we're talking about a team that, you know, was the one seed last season. Would they be part of the conversation? I mean, I can't imagine the Ravens are a dark horse. A lot of people thought of them as a legitimate contender. I, I don't know who else to include out of the AFC if would we're talking you put AFC the nine, teams. Would you put the Niners as a dark horse? No. I mean, well, I maybe. Well, I, and now we're, ta- and now we're talking about the Niners team. I mean, who could have? Who could have expected that we'd have Jimmy Garoppolo back at the helm? I guess I maybe I, the Packers as a dark horse. Like those. I mean, these are teams that are like I, I, you know. I mean, it's like with the Niners. I've seen them in a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like with the Packers, we're talking about you know the reigning MVP. I guess dark horse feels like a stretch to me, particularly with that Packers team. I mean, they've been underperforming. Also, I mean that Packers team. It ain't making us. It ain't making a Super Bowl. Like I, I know they bounced back a little bit against the Cowboys. Super Bowl? We're already at Super but Bowl. I, yeah. But I would believe in the Packers more so than the Jets and more so than the Patriots. To go if we're talking about dark horses to go to a Super Bowl and this is what I'm working with, I'd insert the Packers over the Jets at number two. In yeah, minute. I just have a hard time believing them as a dark horse. You know, I just don't think you can have Aaron Rodgers at the helm and I guess be, you know, the team that comes out of nowhere that none of us are expecting. None of us were expecting the Seahawks. They're horrible this year. Well, they're awful. Yes, they're they're awful. awful. I mean, I guess now we evaluate this week 11, but they're still the Packers. Like, they still have Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. They're still aided by a, a bad conference here. And I mean... I I uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't think I can include them in the dark horse conversation. But I'm struggling who the other teams would be to replace. So the you Jets put in your Patriots. Dolphins. I'll put in the Packers, and we've suddenly okay. fixed his list. Look, Fine, we so we've put in list. the Dolphins and the Packers, and now this list is perfect. That's all we see. You just needed a woman's touch, Carlin. That's all <laughs> That's you needed. needed. We we erased the Patriots. We put the Dolphins there at five, and we took out the Jets. We put the Packers there at number two, and it's perfect. It is now perfect. That's it. We've rounded it out perfectly. See? There you go. All right. We did it. You're welcome, Chris Carlin. <laughs> Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. Speaking of fixing things, how the heck do you fix the Brooklyn Nets and their issues? We'll get into it. That is after Shay has this word from Bosley. All right, from Bosley, we've got a word coming up here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Guys, if you're suffering from hair loss, yes. I got it. Or worried about your hair, you've got to check out Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts. The sooner you take action, the more options you'll have for keeping and restoring your hair. Bosley has both surgical and non-surgical solutions to help you keep the hair you have and grow thicker, full of hair when you need it most. Right now, Bosley is giving away a free information kit and $250 gift card towards a procedure. All you have to do is just text Carlin to 203-203. You don't want to wait when it comes to hair loss. Just get the information and learn what you can be doing right now to keep or grow your hair. People trust Bosley. They are truly the leaders in hair restoration. They have the most experience restoring hair and experience matters. So what are you waiting for? Get your free Bosley info kit and $250 gift card when you text Carlin to 203-203. That is Carlin to 203-203. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? 
your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Nothing gets Shea Cornette fired up (laughs) like Kevin Durant talk. So let's do it again and get Shea all hot and bothered. All right. Kevin Durant was speaking to Bleacher Report. He was speaking to Chris Haynes. And he had a lot of comments and a lot of quotes in this story that are interesting. But one that I think sticks out to everyone is that Kevin Durant said, quote, I'm not a leader. What the bleep does that mean? A lot of people say I'm not a leader because I didn't tell Kyrie to get vaccinated. Come on. Or I didn't condemn Kyrie for leaving the team, going out and living his life. I'm not about to tell a grown bleep man what he can and can't do with his own life and dissect his views or how he thinks about bleep. Lots of bleeps in there, Shay. <laughs> Lots of bleeps to avoid. All right, so that's Kevin Durant's take, where obviously we know KD very famously hears all the noise, he's listening to all the noise, and he's taking issue with the fact that people question his leadership. He is taking issue with you, Shay Cornette. Uh, yeah, sure. I, 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 don't, I could care less what you said and didn't say to Kyrie Irving. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in moments where your team clearly needs a voice of reason. I haven't heard from you. Uh, so I'm talking about uh, whatever with Kyrie being vaccinated. But maybe during that time, you coming to the podium and just simply stating, like, I, I'm a per- own it. You know what I mean? Like, be forthcoming. Come, hey, you know what? Kyrie's decision is his decision, but we're going to keep playing ball with this group around us that we have, and we're going to do it to the best of our abilities. I need to be better in X, Y, and Z. Harden at the time needs to be better at X, Y, and Z. We're going to, like, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about at a time where your teammate who was suspended and needs to go through a lot of things before returning to the team, and you might want him back. Maybe it's saying, if what you're trying to say is you need Kyrie, then say that. If what you're trying to say is the guys around you need to be better, then say that. If what you're trying to say is you need more help from the front office or whoever, then you need to say that. But this beating around the bush, like, I don't know about, you know, I don't know why my leadership stuff isn't good and like what did you expect from these guys like what are we doing here like that's uh, that's like something I feel like a middle schooler would say not someone who's been in the league for a lot of years and Kevin Durant is a phenomenal basketball player I am not taking that away from him but if you are not going to be the guy that's going to step up in a time where you don't you don't trust your head coach and Steve Nash at the time you were the one that came forward and said you wanted to trade because you didn't like what was going on around you then you need to say hey I'm going to stay here and if I can't be the voice of reason we need to bring someone in who's going to be a veteran of some sort that is going to be that person you need to do that Durant because you're the face of that franchise now whether you like it or not because Harden's out of town Ben Simmons ain't playing and Kyrie is suspended so now you need to find a way to be that voice and it's frustrating and even if you look at things 
Like, I don't care what kind of leader you are, but no matter what, like, it ain't it to be the leader of a team and have a burner account, okay? Like, the first round of the finals last year, or first round last season of the playoffs, I should say, against the Celtics, he had four more turnovers in every game. And, like, tell me that that is not what you should be doing in the postseason when the Nets are trying to go on a run. Like, I I just need a little bit more from him, and it's getting frustrating. And the blurps that I hear come out of press conferences, like, that ain't it. That's not it, and it's frustrating now for a team that isn't winning and you have Kevin Durant on your roster. See, I don't have a problem with KD like everybody else has because everyone piles on about the burner accounts. And Kevin Durant is just the one guy in the NBA who's been honest about the burner accounts. There is no part of me that believes a lot of these other superstars even don't have a burner account or two out there because I have seen even the LeBron Jameses of the world who are normally pretty isolated from criticism, particularly when it talks to his leadership. And I'm not saying LeBron's not a leader, but I am saying LeBron is a subtweeter. And we've seen LeBron take it to Twitter and express his views. We just saw LeBron do it about Kyrie these guys don't keep anything internal that's not how this generation of the NBA works so all of these guys do it we just pile on KD for doing it and doing it so transparency so transparently with the amount of talent that he has as a basketball player I also think with KD we have this unrealistic expectation of everybody thinking that because Kevin Durant is so good at basketball which by the way is in fact what his job is and is in fact what he has spent his life training for that he also has to be like a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Yes, there are guys who are built for it, and there are guys who are phenomenal at it and will be the leader on a team. And then there's guys who aren't so good at it because that's just how it works in the real world. There are people at every company who are wildly talented in their individual roles and couldn't take over and run the company. Those are different skill sets. And Kevin Durant appears to maybe not have the latter skill set. Who cares? He's phenomenal at basketball. That is on the organization to me, not to put Kevin Durant in a position where he necessarily has to be the leader. Don't bring in a first-time head coach in Steve Nash if you're coaching players like a Kevin Durant who maybe needs somebody else to take the leadership and like a Kyrie with the difficulties that that presents or even a James Harden a little bit later on with the difficulties that that presents. That's a leadership failure to me. You have to make sure that like you said you have the veteran on the team that can slide into that leadership role even if they're not the best player on the team because the leader on a team doesn't necessarily have to be the best player on the team and you have to have strong a strong head coach and a strong coaching staff in place in order to provide that leadership and that direction of the organization that's so desperately needed I don't think all of that needs to be frankly on Kevin Durant I think that we make too much of that so I don't have a problem with Kevin Durant and some of his antics, I think that we tend to pile on with Kevin Durant. All of that being said, I don't believe that any of Kevin Durant's desires to leave Brooklyn have suddenly gone away um, like he pretended that they did when we entered this season after that conversation with Josai. And I'm guessing that this is all part of that as well, Shay. Okay, I, I just want to – I don't disagree with anything that you say. But then if that's the case, Kevin, if you're not going to be the – Kevin. If, if you're not you going like to be – first name basically. Like, yeah, hey, exactly. Kev. If you're not going to be the leader of the team, then you shouldn't have say in who's in and who's out and what the Nets are doing then. Sorry. Well, well okay. maybe say over yourself, I suppose. Here, Jay, here, Jay I mean, Williams also brought this up on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max earlier about KD wanting out. Everybody wants KD to be Tom Brady or LeBron James. And at the end of the day, KD is that dude that will wear his hoop shorts underneath his pair of jeans. Like, he just wants to hoop. 
He wants to be surrounded by people who want to hoop. And I truly feel like we're getting to this point where I'm not sure Kevin Durant still wants to even be there. I mean, he requested a trade before, that ultimatum with Joe Sy about Sean Marks and Steve Nash. There's still questions around for KD. For me, yesterday, hearing that was like, oh, KD wants to be out. Yeah, I don't know how, I, like what's so wrong with him wanting to hoop? You know, he's not—he's not the coach. He's not the GM. Like, no, what but then, if he just but then you don't have the authority to say, "Go get this guy for me." I don't want this guy as the head coach. I need this. You don't get to do be that dude. You can't have it both ways. Then just go hoop. Then that's all you need to do. But you can't be then the face of the franchise who dictates every move we make and also the hooper. Then, sorry, that's not how it's going to work. So everything you're saying is right. And obvi- Jay Will knows Kevin Durant on a personal basis. He obviously understands the situation at hand far better than, than I do. But, like, that's okay. But then you can't you can't have it both ways. That's, that's not how this is going to work. Like, Tom Brady, I want to bring Gronk back. Okay, fine. Well, Tom Brady was the leader of that team and dictated the way their entire season went. Tom Brady was okay with Todd Bowles taking over his head. Like, things went through him because he was the leader. You can't be both, Kevin. That's not how it's going to work. Yeah, but Tom Brady is good at that leadership role. That's certainly what he was born to play other than just his role as a quarterback. We'll see. Maybe Kevin Durant will end up somewhere where he can just hoop. Of course, he doesn't control that. Coming up next... A travel nightmare that you need to hear about. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. So big news in that game that you just heard. That was supposed to be the crazy game with six feet of snow because of that lake effect snow in Buffalo. However, the Bills aren't going to have to deal with that and the Browns aren't going to have to deal with that because now that game has been moved to Detroit. This has created, though, an interesting travel nightmare, Shay. Funny to the rest of us, certainly not funny for the broadcasters involved in this, but Andrew Catalan from CBS Sports, who is covering the game with James Lofton, he just shared a story on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Sports Radio that is quite funny about the difficulties that this has created now for the broadcast team. Take a listen to Catalan. Lofton, your buddy, and Amanda Renner, who's on our golf crew and does a fantastic job, she's the sideline reporter for this game. They live in San Diego. They left San Diego this morning, had to connect in Detroit to fly to Buffalo. So they are on a flight right now from Detroit to Buffalo. And as soon as they land, they're going to turn their phone on and see they got to get in a car and drive back to Detroit. Oh, my God. I love it. Yes, sir. That is the most mad dog reaction ever. Oh, wow. Uh, just Chris Russo is such a classic. But the funny thing about this is apparently this game gets changed to Detroit after they had already boarded their flight to fly to Buffalo. So there was nothing they could do about it. They couldn't just get off the plane at their layover. So now they apparently there's no other flights. 
They apparently have to rent a car and drive the car from Buffalo back to Detroit, which Google tells me is approximately a four-hour drive. Which is not that big of a deal. Like, yes, this is a pain in the butt, obviously, but it's actually a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Anyone who covers sports or travels a lot for work in general, like – this happens all the time, like these travel mishaps. It's just ironic that the connection was obviously through Detroit, and then they have to turn around and go the other way. Uh, look, I'm sad I'm not going to get the, the snow game that I wanted to see between these two teams or any team playing in Buffalo in November this time of the year, but obviously this is out of an abundance of caution. You don't need people traveling in, and you uh, caution towards the players and the staffs and uh, fans and all of the things. And and the ironic part, of, part about this, Amber, as we were talking about last hour, is the fact that Detroit is now going to be home to Buffalo two weeks in a row. This week against the Browns, and then the following week they play on Thanksgiving Day on a short week against the Detroit Lions. I, I don't know exactly what their plan is in terms of going in and out and with the weather and all of these things, but nonetheless, like that home field advantage for Detroit kind of goes out the window because there's going to be such familiarity, obviously, on the Buffalo sides of things. Um, and then I also want to bring this up because I follow this. It's Robert Lemko on Twitter. And he posted about how this had happened. I'd forgotten exactly eight years ago with Buffalo and they were playing the Jets. They went and played them in Detroit because of the weather situation. And essentially the players were so bored because of all the snow, some of them didn't shovel. They were basically essentially stuck wherever they were. And all they did were watch was watch film. And, and they ended up beating the Jets 38 to three because they were so locked in on their film studies. So there was no distraction really because there was nowhere to go. Right. Um, and so it's interesting that this happens now eight years later and a different opponent, obviously, in the Browns instead of the Jets. But nonetheless, this actually could work in the Bills' favor for not only this week, but next week as well. Well, and they won't be dealing with the elements, we know. And so that's certainly going to matter for a team that earlier in the show before this news broke, Shay, we were saying, is this Bills team even really built for their own elements? Which is weird to think because it's a team that plays in Buffalo, New York. And you would think that that is a huge advantage in terms of a home field advantage. You're used to playing mm-hmm. in these pretty horrendous elements. However, the way that that team is letting Josh Allen use his arm as much as he is not relying on the run, have the ball so much in Josh Allen's hands. Like, is it even built for this weather? Well, now they don't have to grapple with any of that because they're not going to be dealing with any elements and they're facing a Browns team that it leaves a lot to be desired. Deshaun Watson has returned to practice for Cleveland, uh, but he's not eligible to play until week 13. He was eligible to start practicing. He was in full pads, full participant in practice as of this week in week 11. I have a hard time believing on a neutral field now without any elements involved that, frankly, this isn't advantage Buffalo. Yeah, the run game is an issue, though, for Buffalo. I don't care where you're playing in a dome, outside, in the snow, in the sun. It doesn't matter. Like, they need to figure this out because it doesn't really matter what situation it is. Beginning of the game, end of the game, behind, it doesn't matter. They don't like to run the ball. Last week, uh, uh, I do game day on ESPN Radio from 1 to 5 Eastern on Sundays. Um, and so I was paying very close attention, obviously, to the Vikings and the Bills game. And in the first, I, remember, I thought to myself, you know, the first half of the game, they ran the ball pretty well against the Vikings. Why did they abandon it in the second half? And obviously, it resulted in in a in a loss. And, and then I actually looked at the numbers, and I'm like, yeah, that, that happened. In the first half, they had a 40% rush rate. Running backs were averaging over four yards a carry. And then in the second half in overtime against the Vikings, they abandoned and they went to under a 20% rush rate and running backs were averaging around three yards or under per carry. Like, why do they do this when they've got speedsters like Devin Singletary there on, on their roster? I don't understand. It's like they need they need Josh Allen to run it or they don't like to do it. And I don't quite get that with Buffalo. 
Well, this certainly will be helpful, though, that they're not in all of that snow because otherwise they would have been forced to rely more, presumably, on that run game. We had Tyler Fulgham on earlier in the show with us. If you ever miss any part of the show, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. And Tyler said that the line hasn't really changed since moving the game because Buffalo was always favored in this one and certainly is expected to win in any environment. But the over-under has changed dramatically because overall there should be a lot more scoring in this game when you don't have to deal with six feet of snow mm-hmm. so that's interesting from the betting perspective if you put in your bets for the game move most sports books will give it back Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.